Hey, good to be with you. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Rob, and I've been around here as long as there's been around here. <laughs> I've been around here a long time, 30 years. It's been my privilege to be on staff at this church for 26 of it. So I am no small, you know, I have an invested interest in your lives. And I tell you, I don't take this job serious. And this week has been a very interesting week for me. I really felt like the Lord told me to give you a word. And it came from a, a conversation I had with myself and the Lord. My daughter, my oldest daughter, turned 30 this year. She's the one on the right. There's my beautiful kids, Sarah, Paul, and Elizabeth. Now, I will have to say a, a, a disclaimer. You're going to see my daughter's here, my awesome daughter. And she does not look like that right now. She has changed her hairstyle and color, and, and all of them have. So that's the way it is. <laughs> Even I've shaved. I mean, I stopped shaving. But that is my beautiful daughter, Elizabeth, who came, my wife and I were blessed to have her be able to oversee her. And I realized, in, my, in fact, my, my wife and I, my wife's not in that picture, this is what my wife looks like. That's my wife, Debbie. We've been married for 35 years. Don't clap. I don't got time for that. Because <laughs> uh, she deserves all the credit she had to put up with me. But that's not what my point is. My point is this, that I was really spending time realizing just how fast that 30 years went by. I mean to tell you, it was like yesterday. I can remember going to that hospital and bringing her home. And then the Lord really spoke this to me. And I believe I'm to give you this word this morning. I'm not a person who says, thus says the word Lord very often. But I believe this is for the church. Hope Chapel, Kaneway Bay. Slow down and rest in me. Slow down and rest in me. I believe that's a word the Lord has given our church. Because I think we're just going through life so fast. Hearing from God intimately and powerfully has become not non-existent. We're just going through fast. In other words, like God's in the backseat of the car and we've got our hands so tight to the steering wheel, our, our knuckles are white. And we go, God, I got this. Don't worry. I, I'll let you know when I need you. I've got it. I'm under complete control here. I told you, sit back there. Let's go. And God's going, no, I have it all under control. Slow down and enjoy the relationship that I want to have with you. You know, he, the creator of the universe, knows your name. He loves you, the word says in Ephesians, more than you could ever possibly comprehend. If I don't spend time sitting down, looking at my wife in the face, if I've got my eyes on the computer, one eye on the, the, the football game, and I'm re returning a text, and my wife's trying to have a relationship with me, that's not going to work out. Would you not agree? I've got to turn everything off, and look straighter in the eye, straight in the eyes and say, let's have a relationship. And that's what God's trying to say. We're going to be talking about God's authority in our life tonight. And I promise you, there's no way you totally will comprehend this and understand the power available to you as a Christian, a follower, a child of the King, unless you really understand that you need to spend time with the Creator. Amen. So important. Let's pray as we open up the Word. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter today. Let's pray. Lord, I so pray, Lord, that we've come in this room to hear from you. We came in this room to be changed by you, Lord. And I do pray that we would know you more intimately and love you more deeply, Lord. And to hear you more clearly and to serve you more passionately because of our interaction with your Holy Spirit today. And we all said, in Jesus' name, amen. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it does say this. Regarding slowing down, it says this. I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and I will bring you home. And it goes, I love this in the message version of Jeremiah 25. I know what I'm doing. I love that. 
I know what I'm doing in your life and I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And in Psalm 46.10, it says this, Be still, be still and know I'm God. Let me, let me say that in, a, in, a, in a something we can understand today. Shut up and listen. <laughs> I want to talk to you. I care about you. I have plans for you, but you're not listening. That's what I'm saying today. I really feel like the Lord wants us to do that. So if you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, put your finger there, and run just a couple more pages further down the line there in the Bible, and to Ephesians, the first chapter, and we'll get underway today. And we're talking about God's authority in our life. You know, last week, uh, Pastor Carl started part one of this. And if you remember, it talked about God's authority in life that we have by being a child of the King, a follower of Jesus. We have the ability to change any circumstances or situation we come into. And remember remember what the word said, uh, Pastor Carl was saying, that our job is to build people up, not tear them down. Just because we had the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And, it, and, it, and he also described what the Bible and who God, how God sees us now as child of the King. And I love this. It says, the word says that I am now a follower of Jesus, a new creation. It tells us that in 2 Corinthians. And it says that I am victorious. That I am chosen. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it says, I'm chosen. That I'm a child of God. That I'm beloved. And it also says in Ephesians, the second chapter, that I am God's masterpiece. That's what the Bible says you are. Sometimes you don't think that. Sometimes you look in the mirror and you go, I don't know, if I was of God's masterpiece, I don't know what happened then. But I want you to know, I don't know what you've done in your life or how you might have feeling guilty or whatever, but the, the God who loved you has never changed that love for you. There's nothing you could do that could change that love for Him. But today, well, I want to talk about authority. And when I think of authority, you've got to be thinking, in our, in our world, a person who has immense authority, would you not say would be a police officer? I couldn't swipe Vinny's, where's Vinny at? Vinny's around here somebody. I couldn't swipe Vinny's badge this morning, but I did get his gun. And I got a dear friend, Del, uh, David Del Rosario's badge. And you know, when, when this badge and this gun shows up, guess what? You're doing what's being asked of you. Are you not? That person has unbelievable authority because of the law that's behind this badge and this gun. And it's like if it was Vinny, Vinny has the discretion to shoot you. He doesn't have to call his captain up and go, hey, I got this guy, he's got a gun on me, you think I can, think I can do something about this? No, he has the authority to take this gun and this badge, and because of that, he has the ability to change that person's life forever. Would you not say? Yeah. I remember when I, when I think of authority, I think back when I was 19 years old. I had a little car, I liked my car. Look, kind of looks something like this. Isn't that awesome? It's not mine. But I have to admit, that was my 65 Chevelle. Mine looked exactly like that, the same body style. If you're a car buff, you realize that's a coupe, a two-door. doesn't have the, uh, the bar in the middle of the windows. So it's, mine looked exactly like that, Krager rims, but it was blue. And I, that was my life back then, and it could go very fast. And back in the early 70s, that's what we did. We raced cars. And one day, one faithful day, I got three tickets in one night. I did. I did indeed. The last two were by the same CHP. Yeah, that was not a happy... It sucked to be me that day. 
was not a happy camper, and he was not happy with either. But for and by that back then, I wasn't the uh, nicest guy. I was a smart about everything I did. And so, as it turned out, though, I did not get arrested, which was which was amazing because that is considered reckless driving. Three tickets in one night, is it not? And you can go to jail. I didn't go to jail that night, but I did go to the court. I had to go to court, see the judge, and the judge says to me. For three tickets, you are now getting your license suspended for one year. And you know, that's what I said. Oh, wow, shame. Oh, bummer. I guess I can live with that. No, I did not. I came unglued. Hey, by the way, just a, just a little note to yourself. Don't come unglued to a judge. <laughs> Doesn't really work out the way you'd hope. And I did. I came unglued right then. What? He goes, I have the authority to put you in jail right now for at least two years. Is that what you want? And I, here I am, I am here a little older than that now, a lot older. But when I was singing and praying about this morning about authority, I could remember those words, authority, ringing through that judge's ears, and he had the authority. But as us as child, who's a child of God in this room? Who would say, I am a follower, a believer in Jesus Christ? By the way, you have a badge. You carry a badge. It's not around your neck. It's not a fish on your car. But you have as equally a powerful of a badge as that badge that Vinny and that gun that he wears every day to do his job. You know what that badge is? The name of Jesus. Jesus. One of the most powerful sermons I ever heard preached about 20 years ago at a Foursquare convention was a pastor by the name Dr. Ron Mel. And for 20 minutes, he said the name of Jesus. And that's all he said. If you go home today and pray and you're in, a, you're in a situation that you need God to show up and you have no idea how to pray, all you have to do is pray Jesus. Jesus, because there's power in that name. Look at what it says in the Word. It says this in Philippians 2.10. Jesus' name is above all names. Every knee will bow in heaven on earth and all, every name in the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And it says this in John 14.10. It says, whatever you ask for in my name, in Jesus' name, I will do it. The Father may be glorified in His Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You see, Jesus, for a Christian, has, we have the authority to change any circumstances we're in, in our life and others. If you remember in the Gospels, when Jesus sent His disciples out to the other cities, they came back and goes, Man, Jesus, I can't believe in your name. All I said was your name, and things happened. People got healed. Even the demons changed because of your name. Isn't that amazing? And you're sitting here going, I don't know if I have that badge. I don't know if I got that power. But let me, let's, if you're in Ephesians, the first chapter, I want to read that for you right now. This is, be there in Ephesians. On the screen, it's going to start in verse 18 or 19. But I want to start in verse 16. Listen up, gang. It says, I... Paul's writing to the church that he started in Ephesus, and he says, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may have knowledge, that you may grow in your knowledge of God. Let me tell you, that spiritual insight is not getting up in the morning, as powerful as this word is. That's not what we're talking about, the knowledge you receive from this word. What Paul is saying, spiritual wisdom and insight, is supernatural revelation and discernment from God. That you'll know that. And what I'm trying to get for you is, I want you to really understand when we read this and you leave here today, this is a game changer, gang. Game changer if this is not what's happening in your life. That you have the power 
to do anything in Jesus' name. It goes on to say, as in verse 19, I pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe it in Him. Who would that be? All of us. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in a place of honor at the right hand in, of, in the heavenly realms. Now He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under His authority in Christ, and his, He has made Him head over all things to benefit the church. And the church, that's us, His body, it is made full and complete in Christ, so that we do everything in His name. And I want you to know, by reading that, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power we have. Do you understand that? The word says that it's so powerful and it's so intense that we'll probably never fully understand it. But let me read this to you, just so you, I'm trying to get through to your head. In, in Ephesians, the third chapter, it says this in verse in 3, starting at 14. It says, when I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall on my knees and I pray the creator of heaven and earth. And he prays this. I pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you a mighty inner strength through your Holy Spirit. That means... Gang, nothing is impossible. When it says that he will be able to do this from his glorious, unlimited resources, what does that mean? Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. The word says in, in Matthew, I think around chapter 17, that we have the power to say to that mountain, move, and it will move. Now, that's not talking about putting the poly into the, into the, into the bay. It's talking about any mountain in your life or in your friend's life, or your family's life, that is so insurmountable, they can't even see past it. You have the power, in Jesus' name, to change that circumstances. Let's read this. I want to read this in verse, in verse 17 of Ephesians 3. It says, Then, when we understand that, then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you come to trust in Him. Let me say this. If you are not experiencing all that God would have for you, the incredible greatness of his power, you are not experiencing it unless you're using it. It just said that. Are we there? Are they there, Frank? Because I'm not hearing them. Gosh, there's 300 people in here. Your choir is a church mouse. I want you to know that you have incredible, unbelievable power in Jesus' name. Let's turn to it. In, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, let's pick it up there. It says this in, chapter, in 13. It says this, We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will only boast about what's happening within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you, as if we were never as if we had never visited you. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news. And so what is it talking about here? Paul is talking to his church that he started in Corinth. He's writing them letters. He's encouraging them, inspiring them, teaching them. He's pastoring them from a distance in a letter. Now, you have to understand, back in those days, you didn't just go down, you know, today we can go on email, and I could send an email to Charlie in Africa right now, who's there, and I could send him to the most remote place, I could send him an email, he'd get it right now. But back then, in Paul's world, they didn't even put a stamp on it. There was no, there was no stamps, and he didn't give it to the mailbox, and then, you know, a few weeks later it showed up. Back then, it took a very long time to get that letter there. Somebody actually had to carry it. And when it says that Paul went a long way to pastor that church, that means he was called to go to, to Corinth to pastor those people. 
God led him there. And in the next chapter, it says that he, he went through shipwrecks. He got beaten. He was rusted. He did a lot of things to get there. But he's trying to show those people, I care, I'm still pastoring you. Because you have to understand this as a side note, as you started through 2 Corinthians 10, 11, and 12, he's having to defend himself because he has a small faction within the church who's there on site and Paul's not. And they're trying to take the authority of the church back over. And Paul's writing and says, I have authority there. Listen, I have authority because I was called there. God put me there for a reason. Where has God put you? Where are the boundaries in your life? Where are the spheres of influence that the Lord's given you to change? Well, the first things that come to mind, wouldn't it have to be your family? Have to be your family. It's not by accident. The word says in Psalm 139 that before a single day had passed, he had written the book of your life out before you were born. While you're in your mother's womb, your life was recorded in that book. That means it's not, there's no such thing as coincidence. The family you live in, the neighborhood you live, the friends you have, all those are a place where God purposely put you to change his world. Do you realize when you got saved, you got saved to serve others, to change the world, to give the people around you the best life possible? That's exactly what we're called to do. I remember... And you know what? I grew up in the, uh, in the Catholic church. My parents were devout Catholics. And my brother, I have a twin brother. He kind of looks like that. When, when I sent that picture to Mel, who runs our services here, Pastor Mel, she goes, uh, Robbie, uh, you're with another woman. Is your wife going to be okay about that? No, that's not me. That's my brother. That's my brother, Rich. And my brother and I, of course, we're twins and we grew up. And he knows everything there is to know about me before I came to the Lord. Not an easy thing to minister in your family when they knew you before you came to Christ. Anybody with me on that? So it's hard for you to go in there and all of a sudden turn that world upside down immediately. In fact, Jesus knew that too. And we read the verses last week, but I think it's interesting that we understand that, that it's worth perseverance. He says, Jesus said in Mark 6, Jesus left that part of the country and returned to the, with his disciples to Nazareth, his own town. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. And many that heard him were amazed, and they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to form such miracles? And your family's going, where did you get the power to form the miracles in your life? And by the way, when we talk about power, we're talking about doing miracles in the people around you's life. The word says that you'll be known, will be known by the signs and wonders of what's going to happen around us. Are you getting that? So these people are going, where did Jesus get all this wisdom? Man, we knew the dude. Isn't he the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brothers of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, aren't there sisters living down the street? They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. So we kind of got that around us sometimes. In fact, my brother, when I came to the Lord, he was living in California. Of course, I'm living in Hawaii, and they heard I, went, I was a pastor at a church. And of course, my brother, being the nice guy he is, going, who would hire you as a pastor? They have no clue. How did you pull that one off? What? That must be the nuttiest place on the planet. It's got to be a cult. No one can be that stupid. You see, he, he knew me before. He knew the guy that got the three tickets and that's the minor league stuff. He knew that guy. So he, went and he ended up getting a divorce from, a, from the girl that he dated all the way through high school. They have two beautiful children who are still definitely connected in my life. But... He got a divorce. So I went to California to be with him. 
you know, just to see if I could minister to him. And it was very difficult at first. I, you know, the first couple of days, it was difficult. Then one day, we were driving quite a ways back to his house. He lives in the middle of nowhere, Palm. And if you know where Palmdale is, you know that that is in the middle of nowhere. If you grew up there, I'm sorry to mean to offend you, but that is the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so we're driving all the way out to the middle of nowhere. And he said along the way, I don't know what you've got, but I want it. What did I have? Jesus. Jesus. I had Jesus. And I could speak into it. I goes, yes, I do. And I have the ability to speak into your situation. I can't change your, ex, your ex-wife's mind here, but I can bring peace to you because I have the ability to bring, the word says, unsurmountable, un, undescribable peace in the situation. When you show up and you pray for somebody, you can have the power to bring peace in that situation. You know, one of them, it might seem minor league to you, but one of the greatest gifts we as Christians have is the gift of encouragement. You know, we live in a very a hurting world where discouragement is a part of the everyday life. And we have the ability to bring encouragement in the line at the store, in our own family, in our classroom at school. We have the ability to change us. And here what I want you to know too, as we think about our family, is there is absolutely no chance that you walk into any situation in your life as a believer in Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit, you walk into any situation, the very fact that you walked in that room, the climate in that room should change. Should change. Because you walked in. And that's the reality. And by the way, if you're thinking, oh, haven't been so good with that so far, I totally get it. I have a I saw a friend this week in the store. I was going with the Safeway. And a dear friend way back when I used to play softball with, he goes, hey, uh, how's everything going? And he goes, hey, I, I ran into a, a mutual friend of ours. So I go, yeah, he goes to Hope Chapel now. And he goes, he goes to church? Really? Him? He doesn't act like it. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to have that reputation. But you might have been, you haven't been the, the, the friendliest guy at work or in your neighborhood or in your family. But you know what? God's a God of second chances. God, when, here's, here's the perfect sign that you are changing. And by the way, we're never, not one of us in this room, not any of us will ever be fully complete. We're always a work in progress. You can, you know, the, thank God, God loves us no matter what. And we have the ability to say, Lord, please forgive me for that. But you know what? We, that doesn't mean the Holy, we screw up. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit left and our power left us. It does not mean that. When Vinny doesn't mean he does something at work, it doesn't mean the gun doesn't go away. You have the power just like he has the power. And it says this, uh, and I love this, that we should be known by the fruit of the Spirit. And, and in Galatians, the fifth chapter, it says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are, should be something that just marks us. That's what we should be known for, a loving, caring person. You know, and for sure, our friends should definitely know us. There's no way any of your friends should not know the love of your life in Jesus. There's absolutely no chance that should be happening. The person you are on Sunday should be the exact same person you are on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. You should infect those folks. You should be able to have the bold to say, you know what, I can't do that, man. I love my Lord. I would never go there. Let's be your friends. By the way, your neighborhood is, has to be a place that the Lord puts you and planted you for a reason. And I am the worst neighbor on the planet. Trust me, I am so convicted in writing this message and hearing the, when the Lord spoke to me. I have lived in that community for 21 years. I barely know anyone's name. I mean, I know their faces. I wave at them all the time. I say hi. Of course, I know my immediate people around me's 
but I live, I, could, I should know more people. My neighbor that only moved in four or five years ago, he's at every, I see him at everybody's house talking out there, having a long conversation. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I am the worst neighbor. How am I representing God? How am I doing that in my community? I'm not. And I want to say to all of us that we should be. I really believe that. And, I, and, and next year, uh, in 2013, I'm hoping that we can really adopt, be thinking about praying, and starting now to adopt, and I, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to try to encourage Pastor Carl and the rest of us to adopt this, that we would say, this community that I live in, maybe it's a, you own a house or you rent a house in a community, or maybe you rent a townhouse and you live in a, where there's four or five together. Maybe you live in an apartment and you say, I'm taking that floor. You know, I live on that dorm floor, you know, you would take that world and you say, you know what? Wherever I have my sphere of influence, because the word says that there, we can get out of the boundaries of our sphere of influence. I know if I went on the other side of the loop I live on, they have no idea who I am. Zero. They don't drive on my block. But those people that drive on my block that I wave at all the time, that absolutely know me, I should, have, I should know what's going on in their life. I should absolutely know, hey, that person needs help. I should be able to bring there and bring prayer. I should be able to say, Lord, with confidence and boldness, I, I have what you need, lady. Let me pray for you. If you're going to the hospital, if you need groceries, if you need something, I should be there. I should be a representative of Jesus. The, Lord, the word says that we're God's ambassadors. What is an ambassador? He represents his country in, another, in a foreign land. We should be that person. There's no way we should not know that world. And the other thing that I think that we have is we have a special, sometimes we get special authority in different areas because of what happened in life. Let me explain. You know, um, a friend of mine went, we used to go as a mini church to go to the River of Life Mission. You know where the River of Life Mission is? It's a, it's a place where the homeless come and get fed in Honolulu. And we used to go down there and we would prepare food. I, I would, uh, we would have to do worship, preach, and then they'd get fed in that order. And they knew it was that order. So we did great worship. And then the first time we went, they, they said, okay, Rob, you're preaching. You're the mini church shepherd. You're preaching. And I want you to know they were, couldn't have been more bored. They were like bored out of their brain. They're like, oh, looking at their watch. Is this going to take? Oh, please shut up. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And I realized that I did not have the authority. I wasn't there. I'd never been there. I really knew quickly that I did not have the authority that, that, I, that I really needed. Yes, the Holy Spirit is in me. But for some reason, I did not have the authority like somebody else might have. So there was a guy in my mini church who actually sat on those benches once in his time. He had a job, but he could not afford to get a place to stay, so he was literally homeless, living out of his car. And he goes to me, he goes, uh, Rob, I, I, I sat in those benches once. I go, okay, next time you're preaching. And when he preached, it was the most powerful thing you've ever seen. He preached. And at the end, when I preached, I'd always go, okay, I want to pray for anybody that needs prayer, I want to pray. And you could see the way, you know, there's like 20 rows of people, maybe 15, 20 people on a bench, and everybody looked at each other down the bench. Don't raise your hand. I'll kill you if you raise your hand. Because the longer they, we prayed, the longer it took for them to get fed. This time when John prayed, everybody raised their hand. I mean, everybody in the room raised their hand. And we could go now with authority to really move in that room. Really pray for people's lives to be changed. For people to get jobs, to get back on their feet again. Are you hearing me? So there's sometimes you're going to realize, wow, I didn't, it didn't really work out. Because the word even tells us that in the very first verse. And it says this, we did not boast about things that we did outside of our authority. I mean, in other words, there's going to be places that you, you'll realize, I just don't have that authority. Are you with me? 
but for sure in your family, in your friends, your neighborhood, your workplace for sure, you have authority because the Lord planted you there. But when you get past that, you have to realize, uh, who has the authority there? But I want you to know that the Lord wants you. And then once you have that down, He wants you to expand your authority. He wants you to make sure He goes on. Look at what it says this in verse, um, in verse 15. He goes this, Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of your work among you, we will, you will extend. Then you'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else has worked. And that's what the Lord's trying to tell us. Not only does he want us to be an effective, you know, the word says in Matthew that we're to be salt and light. Salt and light. That's the same word as influence. When you, when you light up a room, you influence the room. And in fact, in that verse in Matthew, I think it's around 16 or 17, it says that when you put a cover on the lamp, it loses its effectiveness. So it's clearly the word saying, the Lord saying, I want your light to shine. I want to shine through you. Are you making sense? And he also wants not only your family, friends, your neighborhood, and your workplace, but he's also saying, now I want you to push past there. Figure out where else you might have authority. Let me just tell you how this works out in the life of Hope Chapel. We have been going to Japan in the Tokyo into the Osaka area for the last 30 years. And we've been very effective. We've started churches there in both those places and in and Sapporo. We've started churches in those three areas. We've sent missionaries, long-term missionaries. Our youth group goes there at least once or twice a year. We've saw amazing work. God's given us great authority in those areas. And what happened was on March 11, 2011, the tsunami and the, and the, uh, hurricane ha- the, the earthquake and tsunami happened. And life changed. And life changed for this church. The Lord allowed us to extend our boundaries. We brought the church there in Tokyo, which we had a relationship because we always went to Tokyo, said, would you mind bringing 12 children into your life who have just lost loved ones in their home and get them out of this craziness for a little while? And of course we did. And many of you opened your hearts and your lives and your finances to those people. We showed them the time of their life. And trust me, they needed it. But you know what that day for Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay? It allowed us to extend our boundaries now a little farther north into the Sendai Ishinomaki area. And that's this last couple, of week, uh, couple of months ago, we, we did that. And this is what happened because of that. Awesome time going to Sendai, the Tohoku region of Japan, where it was just devastated by the earthquake and tsunami last year. And of course, we want to see our 12 students that came here last year to go encourage them, to strengthen them, to really just love on them in their world. And it was just an exciting time. And we also were, of course, able to help the homeowners in that area and, and clean up their houses. I got the opportunity to help put on a festival that was put on for the, the town of Watanoha, and it was a pretty hard hit town. And just just having an opportunity to provide like a, just kind of a festival for people to go to and just receive hope and there's worship music and food and people from all over the community just came and showed up to just experience God's love as we were 
just worshiping together. Christianity is just religion, and then religion is not good. This is a phrase that I used to hear from Japanese people. And I was pretty nervous, and then I was afraid of going back to Japan as a part of a mission team. But God encouraged me and gave me strength, so I could share my testimony at the festival, and then I could talk、uh, about God with my friends. So it was a pretty good experience for me. One of the women that we spoke to,、um, that we worked with, knew Japanese a little better, and she was kind of interpreting for us for one of the families whose homes we worked on. And the woman whose home we worked on told her, you know, a lot of people have come to help in Japan after the tsunami. But a lot of them have also left by now, which was over a year after the disaster. And、um, but the Christians have kind of stuck around, and she was pretty impressed by that. So she told our fellow mud out volunteer, you know, maybe I should find out more about your God. And that's really fulfilling to know that they see not just that we want to help them because. We care about them, but we want to help them because God sent us to work there. I think that's like the biggest thing I took away from it was really just、um, like building those connections and like using Jesus' love to like bridge the relationships and the friendships that I made. And it was super cool because we got to、um, hook up with Samaritans first, and we actually went to.、Um, Like Sendai and Ishinomaki area where the tsunami and the earthquake happened, and it's still really bad even though it's been like a year. But、um, it was really awesome to be able to work with people from like all over the world and、um, just to experience like the whole like family feel and stuff together and like rebuilding houses and just getting to know some of the homeowners and hearing their stories. It was it was a blessing and it was a, a really good experience. And God definitely showed me love between like people from just all over, like just coming together to serve Him. I got to help out in the Sendai area, the tsunami area that was hit pretty bad.、Um, we got to see the homeowners up close and personal. We got to pray with them every day, in the beginning of every day, and the end of every day, and we just showed them God's love. We just went in there and dug. Dug dirt from underneath their houses and、um, just tore down、uh, plaster from the walls and took out nails and just did the grunt work stuff. But we prayed for them the whole step of the way. And you know, it's an amazing thing about Japan right now. It used to be very closed to the gospel, but now it is wide open. The churches are thriving. People are open to hearing about Jesus and His transforming power. And we saw that live and living color while we were there. It was an exciting time. I just want to encourage you that if you ever want to go to Japan or ever go on any mission trip, that you should take the step of faith because you will be forever changed, and that's the truth. Hey, let me just let me explain how this works. Am I still on? Okay. Did you see Go in that in that、uh, video? He's a Japanese national. That he's here. Is he here tonight? This morning? He goes to school here. He was—he grew up right next to the church in Machida that our kids go to every year and minister in that area. In fact, this year the Lord has given us—we were going to two schools: the high school and the junior high. Is that right, Frank? The high school and the junior high. 
two schools. Now, they're going into 18 public schools this trip. The Lord has broadened our authority. Do you, are, you, are you catching me? Am, am I communicating? And he wants to do the same in your life. He wants, you, he wants to expand the boundaries of your life that you have authority over to change the world in his name. We brought Go to the Lord. Go came to that. Every time we came, we, there's a basketball hoop outside. We'd come shoot baskets. The kids would. And Go would show up. And finally, the Lord gave our kids the authority to speak into Go's life. And Go came to the Lord. And now he goes with us on this mission trip. And he preaches at the festival. We bring four, three, four hundred people in from this region. Very hard-hitting region. And he preaches. And people got saved. See, the authority... Now go, it feels like he has, and he does have, the authority to preach in that area, and he will go back to that area, and that, that area is going to be changed in Jesus' name. It's a place where they had no churches before the tsunami and the earthquake. Isn't that amazing? Are you all hearing me? Yes. See, the church, our church, Chapel Kaneohe Bay in 2013, there's two areas of I really want us to expand our sphere of influence. There's two places on this side. I want to change Castle High School, in a major league way. By us going in there and just loving the kids. We're going to go in there on the, at the end of this month. We're going to go in there and just paint and clean. Just because we're going to do that. And then I want us to mentor and intern kids. The kids that are at risk. I want to own that. I want to take our authority in Jesus' name and change that school. Amen. And I also want to go to Ben Parker as a church community. To go in there and mentor. And take care of that village down here. People that really could use the gospel. But where in your life right now, where could the Lord expand your boundaries? Where could you move into areas of absolute unbelievable change for people's lives? You are, like I said in Ephesians, you'll never come to totally understand the heart of Jesus until you're willing to branch out and spread your wings past what you're comfortable in doing. The word goes on to say, we're going to read it in a second. Because when you start praying for people, what's going to happen? Lives are going to change. Miraculous things are going to change. People are going to be healed physically, emotionally. Relationships will be restored. Their lives will never be the same. The fact that you showed up. And when that starts happening, and I promise you it will, if you're willing to trust God for this, then you're going to all of a sudden go, man, you are good. Pray for me. Oh, aren't you awesome? Then there, all of a sudden it might be coming on you. And Paul warns us in the next verse. It says this in verse uh, 16, excuse me, 17. It says this, and the scripture says, If you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people, when people commend your, themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is that the Lord commends you. In 1 Peter 5 it says, So humble yourself under God's mighty power, at his right hand, and he will lift you up. You see, when you really step out of your comfort zone and say, you know what, I'm going to have the boldness to pray for that person. The word said, Paul says in Romans, the first chapter, that I am not ashamed of the gospel because I know it's the power to change the lives of those around me. It says that. I am not ashamed. He understood that, you know what, sometimes we're not going to have the boldness and the confidence to say and pray, hey, can I pray for you? Why? Because we don't want people to say, oh, uh, you know, you look bad. We don't want to look bad. We're fearful. The Lord says, bust through that fear. Amen. In Jesus' name, I have the power. I have the power to do anything in Jesus' name. 
And if you're not experiencing that, I, I want you to know that the Lord would say he wants that to happen. He wants you to go far beyond what you could ever dream ask. And that's what it says in Ephesians, the third chapter, as I finish this morning. I want to have her come up. We're going to pray. It says this in, 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 in uh, Ephesians, the third chapter. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's a great prayer. This is a prayer I pray all the time. It's Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church. It says, when I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall on my knees. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, he's saying, when, you know, I died for you. I died for you. And I died for you so that I could save you and you could change the world for me. I could be your representative. That's what he's saying. That's what Paul's saying, that we would understand that. And I pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources, you'll empower me with an inner strength through your Holy Spirit. That means Jesus came and lived within you to have the same power that Father did. In fact, you know what it says in John? I think it's John 16. You could look that up later. Around there it says, the greatest things that I've done, this is Jesus talking, Jesus' words. Is, I've done great things, and by the way, when I go be with the Father, you're going to even do greater things because I'm going to put the Holy Spirit inside of you. It says this, when you, then Christ will be more and more in home in your life as you come to trust Him. May your roots grow deep down into God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep His love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's so great, we'll never fully understand it. Then, and only then, will be made complete in the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That's what I'm saying. When you're willing to step out, you're going to experience something that you've never felt before. God's going to become alive, more alive than ever. And it goes on to say this, Now all glory to God who is able through us and his mighty power to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare, dare, dream, ask, or hope. Let's pray. Lord, it is hard to get our minds around the fact that the creator of this awesome universe, the creator of this most beautiful morning here in Hawaii, Lord, what a beautiful morning you created for us today, that the creator of the universe would know our name. And that cared so deeply about us that you fashioned us together just the person you made us to be, Lord. That you cared for us so deeply that you, that you made us who we are. And that you chose us, that you saved us, that you're, you chose us one of your children, Lord. We acknowledge, man, that's beyond our ability to think. But we praise you and thank you, Lord. And thank you for allowing us to share your name, your name, and your inheritance, Lord. Allow us to use your name, Jesus to change the world around us, Lord. Our desire is I, my prayer for everyone in this room, Lord, that we would be thinking right now of people and places that we could use your authority in Jesus' name, that we could give them the best life possible. We could change the circumstances and the situations of someone's life like never before. And Lord, I pray that you would cause those assignments to happen this week. Lord, I pray that blessing right on this congregation as they, they're praying to you right now. Lord, I pray that we would be attentive to your assignments this week that we would be overwhelming. We couldn't help but understand and see that situation, Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name.